When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, the man, the myth, the appreciably happier, Nick Fitzy Stevens from WEEI. Now that the Patriots have a GM, things have settled down in Foxborough. And, you know, he just got over 50. He's a little sick. He's back. His kid's turning 11 on Friday. Happiest to Prince Fitzy. Uh, pal, thank you for coming on. We have a lot to get to, so I don't really want to do a whole spiel and intro. But it's been a while. The folks don't know how you are, aside from what I just shared. What's going on? Listen, uh, life is good, man. Uh, every day that I wake up then uh, I'm invited back to the party is a good day. And uh, uh, as one of the overriding principles that, you know, we talk about on the Six Rings podcast on EEI and whenever I'm doing my jolly jester of the Jumbotron routine, the fan of the people down at one formerly Tom Brady place, um, I just want to have fun again. You know, like everybody likes to have fun with, you know, like make America great again. We're going to take America back. I just want to make Foxborough fun again. That's all I want. Because I'm sure you can you can jive with this from a truly reporter's media-esque perspective or somebody who dabbles in media but doesn't ever want to be taken too seriously because that's just in my nature. I just want it to be fun. Every conversation in the parking lot, in Section 111, uh, all throughout the stadium, on the post-game show and beyond, has been all about, what's Belichick thinking? What's why, why did he hire Patricia? Robert Kraft's going soft. Why is he at the friggin' Grammy Awards? Get Mac out. We had some guy yesterday on our podcast chime in that he would rather have the girl who had her arm bit off and has a nub at her shoulder throw for passes for the Pats than, for, than, than Mac Jones next year. Like, people, there's too oh. much. And, and, Andrew, one of the things I'm hoping for, Callahan, is that all of the – yeah, people are, like, people are bent and warped, and you would think that – a 20-year double dynastic run with nine Super Bowl appearances and six rings would soften any sort of difficult re-entry burn or hard crash landing because the bill has obviously come due. Uh, but all of these little uh, chasms and fissures that have broken out in many civil wars in Patriots Nation, Belichick's got to go. They should let him coach his way out forever. He ruined everything letting Brady go. Brady's time was done. The crafts are the best. The crafts are the worst. Max sucks. Give him a chance. All of these things, somebody needs to, like if Gerard Mayo isn't even the greatest coach in this new regime that he's assembling or uh, he and all the, th we call them the Thunder Buddies. If the Thunder Buddies can just come in and smooth things out for a little while, just so it's not as, uh, 
I, I guess, turbulent as it's been for the last couple of years, that's a step in the right direction for me. And then we can get back to like, hey, wow, this team's actually kind of fun or wow, this team sucks. But you know what? Hey, th- that you got to touch bottom before you can swim your way back to the top, kid. All right. Well, first of all, the fun is why you're here. I never have more fun on this podcast than when I'm looking into your beautiful gazing eyes. Oh, Second of all, stop. we are going to have fun because on this docket here today, we're going to go through Elliot Wolf. We finally got to nail down. He's a de facto GM. Mm-hmm. He's got personnel control. He's leading the front office. Uh, what we want to see from him in the next month or so, now that there is someone at the top of that front office, a couple more coaching hires made yesterday, meaning Wednesday, as we record mm-hmm. here late Thursday morning, and then fake trades, which I usually reserve this for draft time, preseason, mm-hmm. trade deadline. No, sir. If we're going to have fun, we are going to throw players from one team to another, and um, everyone else is going to have to deal with this, which, by the way, my last fake trade that I threw out there came to life. Tyrone Wheatley Jr., a forgotten Patriot, went from Cleveland to New oh. England. Didn't play a snap. Details, better <laughs> details. Uh, but we can we can make the magic happen. Wow. So I actually have to now walk back my uh... – my little nugget of, you know, the Patriots have no tackles signed to the 2024 roster. Oh, yes, they do. He's the son of a former Michigan man and NFL star uh, who, by the way, played no snaps last year. And we have no idea what the guy is capable of. You know, will he will he be Vidarian lowdown? Will he be uh, Calvin Anderson 2.0 or may he surprise us? I don't know. But uh, I actually have three Cleveland Browns. Uh, that uh, you asked me in the show rundown, like, hey, uh, Fitz, fancy up a couple of possible trades since obviously the Wolf of Ball Street. That's my new nickname for Elliot Wolf. I hope you like it. Um, good, good. So, so I, I, that was pretty solid. Um, uh, that the Wolf of Ball Street could call upon the organization he was most recently associated with and see like, you know, hey, I know this guy doesn't have a ton of room for you. What's it going to take for me to get him off your hands and onto my roster? So I got three cooked up for you later. Good. And I'm glad we took a hard pivot because I was honestly ready just to talk with you and then charge you $200 at the end of the hour, which felt like therapy there for three minutes. For everything <laughs> that's gone wrong in Fitzy land. And I'm so glad we're smiling and laughing again because you're right. That's why we're here for the enjoyment right. in the sports. And let's let's get to it because Elliot Wolf, uh, as I've said, personnel control. He's leading the front office. Here comes that word. Collaboration will be right. had in that front office uh, with Matt Grow. With Pat Stewart, Gerard Mayo is going to be in the mix. Cameron Williams, director of college scouting. Steve Cargill gets overlooked, director of pro scouting. We'll leave that where it is. You podcasted about this yesterday. What was your initial reaction? And now about 12 to 20 hours later, how do you feel sleeping on it? Elliot Wolf is the new leader of the Patriots front office. I'm not surprised. I think we all saw this hiding in plain sight all this time. And sometimes the simplest answer is the best answer and the correct answer. He's been with the organization for umpteen years. The guy has been associated with NFL teams for almost his entire life. This feels, dare I say, almost even a bit Belichickian in that Bill Belichick valued uh, people with football lineage, legacy, and intelligence so very much. He himself having basically been reared on the sideline, now the same with Steve Belichick, you know, the defensive coordinator for your Washington Huskies under Jed Fish, Vinny Sinceri. Wow, they like the, the running backs coach of the Patriots so much they even gave him an IG blast. Uh, Ron, you know, son of Ron Wolf, he's been he was with the Packers for a decade, then the Browns for a decade. All this guy knows is football. And to me, what this says about what the Patriots are choosing to do with Gerard Mayo, who's only been a coach for five years and is, you know, 
uh, I, I'm almost, you know, he's slightly older than you, and I'm almost old enough to be Gerard Mayo's dad, for God's sake. What this tells me the Patriots are choosing to do is surround Gerard Mayo. They're going to let him grow on his own, be his own man, make his own choices. My favorite poll, aside from the obvious Thunder Buddies jokes made, made heretofore and referenced once again from his initial presser, was that he wants analytics to match what his match what his gut tells him. So he's not going to over rely on data and the nerd hive and servers and PFFs and everything else. And that's actually what, if I'm not mistaken, uh, didn't Ron Wolf uh, and Elliot Wolf when when uh, Elliot left the pack, excuse me, the Browns a couple of years ago, it was because the Browns were going too deep Podesta, if you will. They were it was an over reliance on analytics and data, and not enough. Just like my God, I'm a football guy. My son is a football guy. We understand football, so I think. Well, let's stop there though, because it, it's, yeah. it's an important point. And I've said on this podcast before, I actually don't like that Gerard said it because you're just looking for really? confirmation bias of make me feel good, bunch of numbers. And if I don't like him, I'll just <laughs> toss him out the window. But setting that aside, I know for a fact Elliot Wolf does not like analytics. He does not incorporate them heavily into his process. The Patriots have not done that in his four years here and mm-hmm. even predating that with Belichick, who had a similar attitude. If it backs me up, great. If not, see ya. Um, it should be noted, though, that the Browns, two of the last four years, unlike the Patriots, Mm-hmm. I've made the playoffs with that front office. And this is not me, you know, white knighting for analytics. It's just to say that different approaches can work, as we saw with Elliot Wolf and the Packers in 04 all the way to 17. He goes from a pro assistant mm-hmm. all the way to director of pro personnel. Um, and in New England, it will evolve in a way that's different from what the Patriots had been doing, but not necessarily in the easy identifiable, oh, they're using more analytics. If anything, it might be less. Right. Yeah, I, if you have to like pick a, uh, I've heard some people say that they're incredibly nonplussed by the choice. Some people even have gone so far as to say they hate it. I don't hate it, but I can't tell you that I love it. It's something that I'm, again, fine with. I don't need an elite performance car right now, but I sure as hell don't want to be broken down at 1117 at night when it's 29 degrees by the side of the road on the Mass Pike, hoping that AAA will pick up the phone and come get me before I get run over by an 18-wheeler that says Amazon on the side of it. I just want stability. And I think that's what the crafts want for Gerard Mayo and the organization as well. And Elliot Wolf has been around football his whole life. Yeah. Obviously he was there for the prime, the end of the end of the Favre years and watched the ascension of Aaron Rodgers and everything that took place with the Packers as they made time. And again, multiple playoff appearances. Uh, hell, I was almost even wondering like, geez, is he uh are we going to see, you know, like, uh, is it going to be Mark Tremura for a tight ends coach? Are we going to have Jordy Nelson come in as, you know, <laughs> your, the wide receivers coach? Maybe uh, Edgar Bennett will come in as the new runnings back, running backs coach or whoever else. Uh, so I'm, again, I'm fine with all of it. And El- they have a plan, and that is to just bring in football familiar people and give Gerard Mayo a base of football oper- operative knowledge to work with, which is good because, you know, he probably doesn't know what he doesn't know at this point as smart, sharp, hopefully collaborative and, you know, dynamic and energetic as people say Gerard Mayo is. Um, I can't tell you if Alonzo Highsmith is going to be the greatest senior personnel executive to step in forever. Everybody loves the fact that he was with the Browns and he was at the U. Uh, This new offensive line coach, I know he was like the second choice. They wanted the Dickerson guy. They end up with Scott Peters. You take one look at the guy just to try to be, you know, superficial and silly for a moment. 
The dude's an MMA fighter. He's built like a brick blank house. He's got cauliflower ears, and apparently he's done multiple stints as MMA, and he's a jujitsu dude. He literally looks like an offensive line coach. Like if Dan Campbell says drop and give me 20, Peters is like, whatever, bro, I got 40. Like that's yeah, 20,000 is what, yeah, what he can do. Let's, that's what I want, and I want more of that in New England. Right. Get your buckets with your first bet at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers – $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams. Quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com Boston and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Massachusetts 21 plus and present in MA. Hope is here. First online real money line wager, only $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. And let's let's stay with Wolf though, because we're going to get to the coaching hires, and I'm glad you brought up those guys because okay. you're absolutely spot on with the theme. The two most important hires the Patriots have made, including Elliot Wolf here, basically promoted within the same front office, were Elliot Wolf and Alex Van Pelt. Between yep. them, they have 48 years in the NFL. When you include Alonzo Highsmith, that's another guy with over two decades of experience, player, scout, executive, now coming back in the NFL. Gerard Mayo, of course, drafted in 2008, has only been a head coach for five years. So he is going to be able to pull from all of these wells of experience and schools of thought that have been all these different places, obviously mostly Cleveland and Green Bay, that mm -hmm. he has never been before. And that is a good way to insulate, support, and allow him to grow. Of course, the question is, are these the right guys? And I said this about Gerard Mayo when he was hired. The Crafts can never, ever say that they chose the best candidate possible because they don't know what the candidate pool was. They never opened a search. And now with nope. Elliot Wolf, they have no idea who would have come in and interviewed for this job. Mike Borgonzi, assistant GM out in Kansas City, was on my short list mm. of possible GMs, told NBC Sports Boston this week out in Las Vegas that that was his dream job. It's an Everett kid. Kid, all right? And they'll never know. It's not to say oh. that Elliot isn't the right choice. I said last episode with Mutt, and he's enough different 16 of his 20 years in the NFL yep. have come outside to England. Yep. I also think he's a good choice. Like I've been grading this, you know, McAdoo is like a, a D plus. Van Pelt, mm. they gave it C plus. Elliot is firmly in the B category for me. Um, right. And I, I think folks are underestimating that you, you can be here and have been here the last four years, but come from somewhere else and still be that different. Like this is not running it back when you move Elliot Wolf in and replace a guy like Matt Groh, who is as patriot as they come. Now, see, I it, when it comes to general manager, Bor the Borgonzi for, in Kansas City, like obviously their draft history is pretty rich. I would have been very interested to see what he had to say. And obviously, you know, sometimes it's a little difficult when you, you know, try to come home and you're the triumphant champion. It means that much more to him. But obviously the pressure could have been on him as well. I definitely would have been interested to see what he had to say. I would have loved if they had gotten, a, uh, gotten their hands on Adam Peters before the commanders threw the bag at him. Just because anyone, like you talk about, 
oh, the so and so wants any. We need to get an interview with anyone who has, uh, you know, had a beer with Kyle Shanahan, gotten a cup of coffee for Sean McVay, or been adjacent to either of those coaching schemes or structures. Somebody who knows anything about the Kubiak Gibbs zone rush, uh, blah, blah. Okay, fine. But uh, to me, I would have loved Peters just because. Hey, you know what? That guy's been around the team that crapped the bed the worst on a quarterback succession plan and still didn't suffer for it. Like that's supposed to set your team back a decade potentially. And instead all this they've all they've done since Shanahan and Lynch took over in 2017 is dominate the NFL, crush every single draft. And the reason why they're in Super Bowl 58 Sunday and could very well be in multiple Super Bowls to come is because that roster is peerless in terms of Overall talent. But one last little overarching point I want to make, Callahan. I want to see if you see where I'm going with this. To me, the way that the Patriots have built this new front office, giving Elliot Wolf the de facto GM title without having come out to say as much, Gerard Mayo, someone who is familiar to them, but will do things differently yet still is part of the previous structure. And then allowing Elliot Wolf to be to bring in a bunch of very familiar football faces. Some people say that this is totally a different structure. To me, it feels like there is a little continuity, and that's because I feel like the Kraft family and the people closest to them, I feel like they believe they are the continuity. Like you lose Bill Belichick and all of a sudden, oh, it's going to be drastically different around here. No Brady, no Belichick. The Patriots won't look a thing like we've seen before. I disagree. I think the, the Kraft family wants to keep this as similar as possible without sort of like falling on all of the weaknesses, pitfalls, and issues that Bill Belichick had, especially as a GM, over the past 10 years? I think that's fair. I think they have a point to a degree, right? Like I've made the comparison, you raise a house, but you keep the foundation. The concrete's still solid. Nothing's getting through there. You might as well build that up again. I think Mm -hmm. there are pieces of the infrastructure they like to keep. Obviously, Belichick leaving, Tom Brady before him. Those are the most important parts of the house. Those are gone. There's there's no way to replace those. Those were perfection, the greatest of mm-hmm. all time. But mm-hmm. the philosophy, the process, smart, tough, uh, hardworking players who are good under pressure, like, baby, that's one forever. That's something you can still be about, be Patriot football, just as I've used the terms modernize it. And so it might not take place in analytics. Maybe they delve a little bit more into sports science. I know that they're facility as far as the weight room is getting a total makeover that's going to be expanded they're moving thank football god thank over. god remember yeah. that was like voted like 24th or 26th worst Rinky, facility in the nfl big, i have been in better gyms like planet fitness bordering like <laughs> go butt for punch with the patriots facility anyway the the to wrap on wolf is to say i think you're right and that they're trying to keep what they see as the foundation in place i think that's yes. a smart move even though most organizations tear down bring in new people they think they can probably accelerate this timeline as grow uh, as Mayo will continue to grow in his role. The other part about Wolf I want to make is not only that he spent just 16 out of 20 years outside of New England. So you're getting mm-hmm. thoughts from Green Bay and their philosophy, which again, old school approach. They don't spend a ton of free agency, largely aligns with what the Patriots have done, which largely worked. Value, value, value. Is that he grew up in this business, man, and that gets so underrated when we talk about Belichick, who yes is a genius, and yes who has spent his entire life around football. But the fact he grew up. In his dad's film room down in Annapolis and Mm -hmm. learned at such a young formative age as Elliot did with Ron Wolf. Yeah, we can call him fairly a Nepo baby, but he wasn't hired until four years after his dad left and retired Ron Wolf in 2000 with Green Bay. 
Yep. And then has since come up on his own and had four GM interviews. So if we're looking, if that's include uh, a request that was actually denied, so three GM interviews. And if we're looking at this, a blind resume, a football guy who grew literally grew up in the business, has mm-hmm. been in here for 20 years, risen up the ranks, knows New England from being in the front office for four years mm-hmm. and some of their blind spots, and has been asked to interview three times for GM jobs, I think most people are saying, sign me the hell up for that dude whose face I can't see, but whose resume tells me he's fit to be a GM here or basically anywhere. Yeah, and and when it comes to I, – I couldn't agree with you more – and again, I want, I want until the Patriots prove that some of these or all of these were the wrong decisions, I'm not going to come out and say, I hate it or it's the worst or not give it a chance to breathe and live on its own and take shape. I, you know, I, I want these things to work going back to the very beginning of the podcast. I want to be entertained. I want to have fun talking about football. I want hope and optimism to be available items at the concession stand once again, because it just seemed like it was doom, gloom, criticism and lament over the last several years. Um, also guys like Matt grow who are going to stick around. Um, and now it seems like he's reverting back to being the college scouting head of the head of college scouting, or he'll be more involved with college player evaluation. That's where his background is. So whatever the title ends up being probably in may is fine. That's like, that's, that's what he knows. He may have stepped up and gotten a little bit out of his weight class in recent years as the, the drafts have not panned out. Um, and, and we can, we could spend pod after pod after pod on all of that crap. Um, but I think the one time I had a chance to talk at length with Matt Groh was after the 2021 draft. And while that may, they may not have hit on every guy or only even hit on half of them tops, um, the way Matt Groh was able to tell every single thing about these call, like their compete level, the way they played in certain games, the matchups that they had, like this is what he geeks out over because his dad, while he coached briefly in the NFL and was not terribly good at it, at the place that Bill Belichick resigned by turning in a napkin. Uh, Al Gro was in college for forever and knows college ball. And that's what Matt Gro knows. So again, you're reverting somebody with a lot of football knowledge and football lineage back to where they belong as well. So, you know, and Alex Van Pelt football guy, will he, will he have the most innovative offense? No, but can he take the clay, like the, the raw clay of a, a, a quarterback that they're ultimately going to draft, whether it's first, second, third round, we don't know, but, Whatever, whatever veteran they bring in, whatever rookie that they bring aboard as well, Alex Van Pelt, having played the position, again, there's that high floor of familiarity and knowledge that they're establishing. That's what they're going for right now. It's giving me a little comfort, which is something we needed after all the shakeups of the recent year. It's going to keep you more through the winter. Um, but you know what I, really he, he I like hugs. Up. You know what? Is that is that so wrong to say after you know what? You know, <laughs> we went through a really wicked breakup and you know, Tom left us with all, you know, and now we got all these cousins in Tampa we gotta share them with and everything else, and he's gone and Belichick's gone. Like I, every now and again, it's okay to just sort of get a hug and feel good about what we're doing again. And just to um further put a bow, a bow on top of a bow for the wolf mm-hmm. discussion. Let's go to the coaching staff um after this. Or sorry, backtrack. Bow question, coaching staff. The crafts did call around about other candidates um, to learn under certain executives, what it was like, how did they collaborate? What were they doing differently after most of them, you know, and you could go back at the list, my list, uh, whoever else wrote potential Patriots GMs. So they did some Intel gathering and what they arrived at for better or worse, we don't know and probably won't know for a couple of years is Elliot Wolf was better than some of those other options. And so that's why they didn't conduct a full search, but it's not as if they just didn't bother to pick up the phone. They did not interview anybody else. But that is something I think is, is 
worthy of noting, especially the way that I open this, and that they will never know what the best candidates were um, because Mike Borgonzi never got a call. Other people, you know, who mm-hmm. we've talked about here, John Robinson, Bob Quinn, Dave Ziegler, like others. I, I, it was not Mitch a full off Exactly. Right. Um, they did some intel. Scott Pioli was a part of that process. And Elliot Wolf, again, 41, well-respected in the league, much wider network mm-hmm. than Matt Groh uh, or Cam Williams, uh, Pat Stewart, I don't know, but much wider network in terms of other front offices and dealing with free agents. And so he was the best guy in-house. And when they looked in-house, they said, it's the best guy that we can see who would come here and need to have a relationship with Mayo. As soon as he was hired, Correct. which we knew happened 13 months ago, that was the starting point. Who knows our guy? Who knows the system? That shrunk the pool, um, again, for better or for worse. The question Patriot, I have is and, this. Oh, let me just make one last real quick, yeah. quick thought to, as the bow and the bow and the bow. Just Patriots fans should take heart. With Elliot Wolf coming in and the people that he's hired that we're going to talk about here in a second, um, this is not – Matt Patricia being asked to go from front of house back to the kitchen or from the kitchen to the front of house uh, or to business operations. Like we're not the Elliot Wolf is not going to reverse engineer a draft the same way that Matt Patricia tried to reverse engineer calling a game because he used to try to prepare how to stop it. And I think he was kind of overrated. He was literally an engineer, but yeah, and literally an engineer. Like, so this is not a Patricia thing where it's like, Oh, Hey, uh, Hey Matt, you know, football, you should be able to call a game. Like, no, this is what Elliot Wolf does. Uh, whether or not he's the best at it or the right man, we'll see. But again, there there are adults in the building, and we can leave it at that. Yeah, Patriots. And more adults coming. Hello, Alonzo Highsmith, who I mentioned, uh, former player, lasted six seasons after being the number three pick in the 1987 draft, was in Green Bay from 1999. We got hired as a college scout, leaves with Elliott in 2017. They climb separate ladders, but parallel, one on the college side being Highsmith, Elliott on the pro side, all the way to the top to Green Bay's front office, both leave for Cleveland for two years, 1819. And then Highsmith goes to Seattle where their last couple of drafts and he left in 2022. So that 22 draft was a home run. Uh, and he's been at the University of Miami since where he came up and is known. Mm-hmm. And so he's coming back in the front office, Alonzo Highsmith, new senior executive. But whether it's Elliott or Alonzo or Macro, what do you want to see in the next month or so from this new leadership group that will also keep you warm as well as just a nice, cozy familiarity of the front office? prioritize the re-signing of the people that did the dirtiest work and did it very well on the Patriots the last couple of years, Uh, especially on the defensive side. Like you're going to need the offensive makeover is going to be significant and it's going to take a while. And I know a lot of people have Mike and Wenu as their target number one priority re-sign extension. I I, I want Anthony Jennings. um, Oh, oh, absolutely. Like, the guy's been he's been fantastic uh was sneaky sneaky good value play like those are the little the pieces and pillars upon which great patriot teams are built i also want to extend christian barmore yesterday i'm sorry i have to stop you there because anthony jennings never played more than during a 4-13 season (laughs) they only got there because matt judon got hurt i'm not i'm not saying he's not valuable and he did not step up he hit the market at the exact right time but like mike Onwenu or anthony jennings or throw I don't know, Josh Uche and Anthony Jennings versus Mike Unwenu. Josh Uche, I mean, how much money do you want to see the Patriots spend on a situational pass rusher? I'm just saying, like, you could take two edge rushers, and I still think I might be taking the the right tackle. Okay. I'd like to see them them sign Unwenu as well, but basically, so far, we haven't, the Patriots have not extended anybody. Zero. They haven't, because we didn't know who was going to be in charge of making the final decision, authorizing and or going to the crafts and saying, this is the check you need to write, and this is how much we've all decided in our collaborative environment. 
I that's what I want to see. Bring on Wenu back. Bring Jennings back. Extend Barmore. Maybe Duggar as well. Although I'm sure his agents and his people are probably thinking that there's going to be Jesse Bates money out there for him as well. And if that's what he's going to go try and get, good luck, God bless, and you know we're more than happy to have helped put Lenore Ryan on the map for you. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, my answer is optionality uh, as a approach for agency and they'll go through the combine and have all these sit down dinners and that's really when the tampering starts as everybody knows for Mm -hmm. agents draft picks where you want to go where do you want to be how much is it going to cost i want more cap space for them i want more draft picks if there are players you know you are not going to resign or into your contract here ship them off make it happen wash your hands you want to give yourself as many options via trade for agency in the draft the only avenues to roster building as possible and mm-hmm. so even if it feels like a mini teardown, which is the, is the opposite of what you're saying in the meantime, and I don't know who these players are. Frankly, I don't think there are many assets on this roster, which is how you get to 4-13 and 13 after 8-9. and nine. But whatever ones there are that are just not going to fit with this vision or the cost, unload them and create this optionality. So when the time comes, you have as much cap space and draft picks as possible, whether to use and spend or to trade. All right, you can't flaunt optionality without at least giving me one or two examples of people who you think have either slightly underperformed and or may have inflated value or at this point may never have seen their value higher. Like poor Ahemplo, are you big, brash, and bold enough to say, Matthew Judon, it's been fun, but you can go man damn it somewhere else. I, no, I, I think uh, that'd be selling low. First of all, I also, <laughs> when you were saying the Spanish phrase, for example, poor Ahemplo, I thought you were citing some baseball player from the 90s who like, the Mets <laughs> sold high on. Your attention, please. Now batting, poor A. Hemplo. Poor A. Hemplo. Like Jorge Hemplo stepping up. Uh, had that Brady Anderson season with a billion homers for the Orioles, and then suddenly the juice stopped, and so did his production. You know, a lot of people thought this guy was a poor man's Edgardo Alfonso, but I got to tell you, A. Hemplo really stepped up and delivered this season, and in a walk year, no less. Um I, so I wanted to see like so, like I, in going part and parcel with like the safety route uh, with the coordinators, the coaches, the general de facto general manager. I want to see them keep some of the building blocks that they already have. I would also like to see them freaking sign for the first time in over a decade, uh, you know, a first, second or third round pick because the drafts were so bad. They didn't hold on to any of them. That is one of the most for the Patriots to have pulled off the stuff that they did and still not have signed a first, second, or third for a decade is mind-blowing. That just tells you how good the Hightowers, the Bradys, the Gronkowskis, the Edelmans, et cetera, were during that run. Okay, let's uh, let's look ahead here. Uh, coaching staff, I want your favorite hire and why, and I'll run them down quickly. Alex Van Pelt, uh, offensive coordinator, new quarterbacks mm-hmm. coach, T.C. McCartney, 34 years old, served as a tight ends coach for the Browns the last two seasons, oversaw a Pro Bowl campaign from David Njoku. This is me. Very obviously tipping my hand about my answer coming up in a second. They also got Scott Peters, new offensive line coach. It appears four years as an assistant line coach in Cleveland, worked under Bill Callahan, who's the second best offensive line coach I've ever heard of after, of course, Scott. And then you have uh, Peters also played in the league for about seven, eight years. Mm -hmm. Then McAdoo, Jerry Montgomery, the new defensive line coach. And Brian Belichick, welcome back, even though you never left. But you're coming back. And it was great to see that tweet from Mike Reese on Wednesday night. So of those, who's your favorite? Uh, it's nice to see that there will be a Belichick in the league. We were almost approaching no Belichick coaching in the NFL for the first time since 1975. So I like the, I like the familial continuity that the, that they're continuing there. Um, uh, I think mine 
is going to be, I see you're going to go with TC McCartney as well. A kid was also at LSU. Guy, guy was at LSU as well during uh, the Burrow time as well. He may be something special. And, oh, smokes, did they get something out of Njoku last year? I like Peters only just because I've been told by enough football people who have already forgotten enough about football today more than I've learned in a lifetime. The game is won in the trenches. NFL Films voice. That's where the men do the real work that football is built around. This dude looks like a scrapper. He, I think he's got cauliflower ear because he's been in so many fights, mashups, and offensive line car crashes. We need to bring the fight and the tough and the nasty back. And if Peters can come from a place where, Callahan, don't forget, they have had really good offensive lines, like in the post-Joe Thomas era as well. Like Cleveland has gotten a lot of their work done because somehow, some way, they have had and I'm sure there are analytics somebody can deep dive on and be like, whoa, Fitzy said the Cleveland had a really good offensive line, but PFF said blank. They've had a good offensive line for several years running. I'm sure Nick Chubb and well coached. Uh, everyone else, they're very well coached. So get me, bring me that kind of tough there and build it from the trenches out again. That's the kind of guy that I like. So I will read you this quote from Brandon Thorne. I don't know if you follow him. He, I think, has his own substack. He is an offensive line, defensive line analyst. He's been at Bleacher mm -hmm. Report, works with OL Masterminds and Duke Mayweather. Like, this is very inside football, Twittery stuff. Not a lot of people know. But if you know, you know. He we says, love it. quote, we love it. someone to trust. Brandon Thorne. This is a cool hire. Peters has been the understudy for Callahan. Great guy. For a <laughs> long time and brings a unique background and approach to the game. Definitely deserving to get his own room. So the only hesitancy for me, again, he played center and guard around five, six different teams from 2002 to 2009 on that Super Bowl team with the Cardinals uh, mm -hmm. who lost to the Steelers, mm. is that he's only been coaching four years. But if you're going to learn from someone and you're going to be in a program, I would like to be with the offensive coordinator that you just worked with, now the Patriots offensive coordinator, and Alex yep. Van Pelt, and from mm -hmm. Bill Callahan. So he's a close second for me. I like McCartney, though, from the Njoku part. He has coached quarterbacks. McCartney coached them in 2019 with the Broncos. Before that, spent three years with Kyle Shanahan. Two when Shanahan was first hired in San Francisco. One previously is Cleveland, and he's bounced around. The LSU, he mentioned Colorado, where his grandfather is the winningest coach ever in that school's history. Um, I like the hires. They're better than McAdoo. I don't want to spend any more time on McAdoo. What is his role going to be like? There was that one little nugget. I know he was a terrible head coach as well, and he'll forever be remembered as the guy who dared sit Eli Manning and brought in Geno Smith. Maybe he actually had a decent idea that Geno Smith still had a little gas in the tank. It just wasn't going to be with the New York football giants. There was a story that I uh, found yesterday via Taylor Kyles that McAdoo tried to trade up for Patrick Mahomes because he thought he was going to be. Yeah, I know there's an eye roll. And also he was in love with Josh Allen. That was easy for a lot of people to say. I don't know what, he, like, you tell me how much influence you think he's going to have. Like, if he's going to come in and completely poison the 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 watering hole, then I should be more afraid. If he's well, just going to be. I'm not even saying he's going to poison the watering hole. I just look at a guy who's been out of football for three of the last six years. And part of him losing his job was absolutely related to regime change. We all saw things go south in New York. And the last top 10 scoring offense he coached was in 2016. Like, I'm sorry. It's just hard for me to get excited by that. And as far as him knowing all these great quarterbacks in 17 and 18, like part of that I think is revisionist history. There was sure. some reporting around it. Let's say it's all true. Okay, mm -hmm. great. He's not in the front office. He's on the coaching staff and he's behind people like Alex Van Pelt and Gerard Mayo. We're going to have opinions. We're going to be in the process. And on the front office side, he's certainly behind Elliot Wolf and Matt Groh, Cameron Williams also supposedly. So he'll have input. If he's a great evaluator, that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. Right. But two examples, very famous examples that a lot of people would love to attach themselves to. Um, 
is, is not particularly persuasive to me. Fair enough. I, I just I just wonder if if we're already doomsday scenarioing exactly how not here. Not, not here. Gonna operate. I try to be okay. fair. Some people are getting on my case of, hey, when are you going to write the piece why you hate Alonzo Highsmith? I'm like, why would I do that when I like the hire? I, I don't know. Like, it's easy to group all of us. It's easy to group people and certain opinions and think. But, like, I go case by case here. At least try my absolute best to do in the podcast and writing. And Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, first, actually, I just wanted to get your spin on this because it's such a weird NFL free agent class. Like, there's no, unless unless you're looking in the trenches, which, of course, I have opined on wanting to see the Patriots bolster, I mean, Hart and I on our podcast last year spent so much time talking about how the Patriots offensive line was basically a hobo rumble. And there were the <laughs> idea of throwing quantity and not quality at it was so a mistake. And they, and they paid for it. I mean, they paid for it. We were all just basically begging them draft to tackle, spend money. There were so many available players and they didn't, and they paid for it as well. Uh, many times over as well with max confidence with the way the offense performed, maybe Belichick ultimately losing his job. Who knows? Um, but in this weird class, who would you like to see since Gerard Mayo has told us he's going to burn some cash? Uh, who would you like to see the Patriots go after? Because I don't specifically have the, – the world wants weapons, but when T. Higgins is like your preeminent offensive weapon or target, like I'm, I'm, not, that, I'm not that fancy on that. So I agree with you. And I'm also going to say something counter to that, which is when we've endured the offensive football, we meaning anyone around this team watching as a fan media person or even sometimes a coach, yeah. um, we don't get to be picky with receivers, okay? And I think it behooves us not to be necessarily picky. So like if T Higgins signs in New England, there should be a parade. It should go down the stretch of Route 1 that runs by the stadium, bring you beers, get the discounts, follow Fitzy. We'll have a good time. That said, the tackle I would pick is Mike Onwenu. The issue is price. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or cost, I should say. And Jeremy Fowler of ESPN has, has said the Patriots have already ruled themselves out of this sweepstakes. The Mike on winning sweepstakes what? does not what? make any sense to me. No. But if his price tag is, a, is an offensive tackle, that makes a lot more sense than a guy who's played most of his career guard. Anyway, he's my answer, but okay. you need to have backups because you just simply can't do what they did last year. And that's exactly what happened. Eh, this guy's in free agency or they're overrated, overpriced. Uh, the rookies in the draft, yeah, they stink. Let's get Riley Reef in here. Calvin Anderson, come back, and uh, we'll call it a day. You cannot do virtually nothing. You have and that's to what they did. The like right. the, they took the path of least resistance. They just went quantity over quality and paid for it 
along every offensive metric possible. And it was a, it was stressful for them. Poor Adrian Clem got driven into health and disrepair. You haven't yeah. even had a freaking season with an offensive line coach for the whole year for two years. That's how bad it's been. So, because Patricia had to leave and Billy Yates was in over right, his look, head. Look forward, though. Forward, all right, forward. All right, okay. See, up, that's positive. Here we go. Okay. That's positive. Um, okay, so, uh, yes, I would like to see them just fill the trenches. Maybe they can find a weapon. Please don't sign Josh Reynolds because he can't hold on to the ball when it matters most. Um, as far as the potential trades that you'd mentioned earlier, um, three guys I would like to see the Patriots see. I've got the dream scenario. I've got... This could real this could be realistic and maybe I should give up the ghost, but I've always loved this guy. So number one is how much would it cost to get Jeremiah Owasu Koromoa off the Cleveland Browns? Because that guy is I mean, he you want to talk about somebody like if Fred Warner were to fall down and drop the torch, uh, the Joker would pick it up and be like, I got this. Like that guy, that that uh, that that somebody, and maybe Marte Mapu is supposed to be that guy with the Patriots. I quite frankly don't know exactly who he's going to be and what his skill set best applies to: safety, linebacker, hybrid, nickel, corner, whatever. Um, and let me I, let me jump in real quick. These fake trades are for ex or current current Browns or Packers players because if we know anything right. about the offseason, the Patriots mm-hmm. are painting with a lot of green, a lot of yellow, and yep. that weird orange that somehow mm-hmm. represents a team named the Browns. I know. Obviously, after Paul Brown, I get it. Yeah. Thank you, the Will Ashley crowd. But nonetheless. Yeah. yeah. Zero yeah. chance that the Browns would ever let him go. But that's the one guy that if I could just somehow find a way that the Browns were afraid to pay him, be like, I got it. That's okay. Yeah. Um, the realistic one who may still have some gas in the tank, because um, Dewan Jones has uh, turned on well for them. Mm-hmm. Um I know Jack Conklin is like about to be 29, but that's not the end of the road for a tackle in the NFL. And he has an ACL, but like, that's, that's a, that's a lineman right there. Like, and he may, because and the Patriots love a value could be a slightly distressed asset who may still be able to suit him up this fall. What do you think it would cost to get uh, a, a well-driven Conklin in new England? So he is on my list. He would be a buy low candidate. Uh, for the folks who don't know, Jack Conklin was a top 10 pick out of Michigan State back in 2016. He signs with the Browns in free agency in 2020, gets an extension in 22. And basically since the 2022 season has just not been healthy. And it was an MCL and an ACL teller last year. He played seven games either the year before uh, in 21 or in 20. And the other one was a healthy season. But this is a guy who's had a rough go with it. He plays right tackle. He looks the pot. He plays the pot. Mm-hmm. Really good player. But the issue is the price tag. And so because of that extension, he entering his age 29 season is a $4.5 million base salary. The Browns are currently on the hook for $5.5 million guaranteed this season as part of a prorated bonus, yada, yada. And next season and the following year, meaning 2025 and 2026, the team who employs him on this contract is going to be on the hook for $14 million apiece. But that is not guaranteed which is a long way of saying his bloated contract and injury status is making mm-hmm. him a likely cut candidate in Cleveland, which Correct. to me, again, says buy low. And if he is cut, as was uh, proposed and surmised by ESPN's Bill Barnwell and anyone who just looks at his injury history and over the cap mm-hmm. page, I would say swap of a couple late round picks, maybe just a late round pick. The problem will be getting him to renegotiate or agree to a restructure and say, Hey, we might be willing to pay you that 14 million next year, which is not guaranteed, but you got to help us out here in the front end to lessen the pain of what would be, you know, some money, not, not as much as I just listed whenever we trade for you, because we will keep a spot warm. You will be the starter. You're back with your old coaches, Scott Peters, Alex Van Pelt, TC McCartney, yada, yada. 
I like it. I think the cost will be low, but the injury history is something to watch as well as the money. All right. And so tell me, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, yes, the injury history and the money as well. Um, probably not going to cost you though, what a Mike on when it was going to cost. So if you're looking right. for an alternative at tackle as well, and please dear God, address it in the draft for a change. Um, so what is, what's the, and then the last one, uh, what is the status of Njoku? Is he a free agent? Or is he, cause I know, wasn't he brought back on the franchise tag last year and then absolutely balled out and could TC McCartney come in and be like, guys, I'm telling you right now, a good tight end is always the quarterback's best friend. And this guy is on, this guy is on the ascent. We've unlocked him. He's the real deal. Cause Hunter and Gesicki, they're not coming back. Right. Um, you don't think Hunter Henry has any chance to come back? I don't think he's going to want to because I, I, at this point, like if you're him you and you're looking for like a two for $20 million type of deal, are you going to take it in New England and just play out the string because you're comfortable there and that's what you've known the last three years as much as fans and organization like you? Or are you going to maybe take a little less and sign with, I don't know, maybe – you know, a Kansas City where they need more weapons and Travis Kelsey might only have one more season left in the tank and they need to take a little something off a little bit of load. Or maybe he goes down, Dalton Schultz leaves. Maybe he goes down to the Texans and chases the playoffs. So David Njoku is in the middle of a four-year contract. And I'm glad I looked that up because you and I were sharing that uh, bad memory space of the franchise tag. And he not only oh, signed it in the last year and a half, they restructured since, and there are more void years on there, just like there are with Jack Conklin. So when I talk okay. about complications, you know, most of it will have to be from Cleveland side, not necessarily the Patriots, mm-hmm. but um, I think he's off the table. Yeah. Uh, and coming off a Pro Bowl season, I, I like the thought. Mm-hmm. It just seems unlikely. The last one for me, and I'm not just shopping at Costco. I'm in the back of the aisle. This is borderline expired. Or if this is meat, cook it within 30 minutes when you get home. And there's the discount price. P.J. Walker, who is a young mobile quarterback. His stats are horrendous. He has about five times as many interceptions as touchdowns. Not someone you would really want. But we all saw last year, and I've reported on since with Mm -hmm. Doug Hyde, the lack of an adult in the room. And P.J. Walker came out in 2020, whatever. He's still older than Mac Jones and Billy Zappi and would be. Listen, you don't have to sell me on P.J. Walker. I know, but people listening understandably have objections given the few facts I just unloaded. But I'm an XFL XFL stan. I I can see the jersey hanging behind you, framed Walker, (laughs) just this brilliant blood red. Hey, do you remember the bomb that he dropped into D.J. Moore's hands in 2022 uh, that should have won a game for them against Atlanta, which could have possibly led the Panthers to win the NFC South, but then ultimately – that's right. Uh, forget, uh, the the field goal kicker missed the. Oh, there was a penalty because DJ Moore took his helmet off to celebrate. It made it a forty-eight yard extra point, and the dude missed it. Yes. So PJ Walker, I, I want a backup quarterback into his system. By all accounts, is an adult who could be in that room. Offers you a little bit more dynamism with his legs, and he's got a good arm. Again, not accurate, not a starter, but someone who I think would benefit from helping them install what will obviously be a new offense. Uh, Jack Conklin, PJ Walker, put them together. Mm-hmm. Here's a. Well, I don't know, conditional six, and uh, let's let's call it a day. Fine. All right, I, and I guess that does. I guess that does away with uh, 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 the Mac and the Zapper as well. I think Mac Jones very well could be a draft weekend fourth round fairly well, and hopefully somebody else can fix what Belichick and Patricia and everyone else here broke for you. And does the Zap and does the Zapper stick around, or would you prefer a PJ Walker type? Because they're they're probably comparable in the eyes of one and many. So are you ready for the worst tease in the history of sports podcasting? Oh, yeah. I'm all about big market teases. Find out next.
my answer to the Bailey Zappi. Will he be back as the third quarterback in New England when Fitzy returns to Pats Interference brought to you by FanDuel, the official wagering, only wagering. I don't know. CLNS Network and FanDuel, we do business. They're great. Sponsor redone. Um, you have to go. Yeah. I have to go. Right. Bailey's happy question will just linger in the hearts and the minds of all listeners and viewers, which we thank very much. Uh, it has been too long. Thank you for always making time. You're the best, my man. Hey, man, I, I enjoy these chats uh, very much. And I know everyone who's listening listens because the, it's not just your dulcet tones or the quality uh, of your podcast work. You have done an awesome job in the short time that you've established yourself as one of the preeminent beat guys locally, regionally and nationally. So. Uh, you're you're setting you're setting a very difficult standard for yourself to follow, uh, but you're no you're no slouch and don't sell yourself short. So keep up the great work. Well, thank you. The Venmo is uh, on its way. Thank you. Thank, for, thank you. you for saying that. Appreciate you, buddy. You got it, buddy. Thanks so much.